Who's enjoying the cold out there? So happy for you, Daniel. <laughs> the only part of the cold that I am enjoying is that it leads to really sunny, bright days. Who's like me and you see the sun and you actually forget how cold it actually is and you go outside and then you're like, shoot, I need more layers. Our student who's living with us did that last night. She was on her way out to a hockey game and she went out and then I saw her walk to the end of the driveway and turn around and come back. I'm like, what's up? She's like, it's too cold. I need more layers. <laughs> it's too cold. Um, just a shout out, actually. I know Princeton, you're um, fully in person this morning, but uh, Pastor Jen saw last night that there was a need because we might think it's cold here, but family, it's 10 degrees colder in Princeton. And there, she saw that there was a need for um, emergency shelters. And so uh, Jen and some of the team opened up the church last night and had some people sleeping in the sanctuary with their dog. Um, but they were, they were being protected. So Princeton family, thank you so much for seeing that need and responding to it. So great. So this week, we're actually going to, as we continue on in our uh, time of fasting and prayer, we're going to be talking about persistence in prayer. Now, when you think of persistence, what is the picture that comes to your mind? Do you think of that persistent cold that's gone through every member of your family and now it's around back to you for round two? Is that what you think of when you think of persistence? Like when you picture and you hear the word persistence, what comes to mind? Maybe Canucks fans. They're persistent in the belief that something is gonna change and happen. Family, my heart's been broke so many times my son-in-law, he keeps telling me, Shanda, this is it. This is the year. I said, Caleb, I'm a little bit older than you. I have felt that, believed that, and said that in my life. But when you think of persistence, what is it that comes to mind? You know, we're so great at, at starting things, generally speaking. And I think even in COVID, how many of you, who, who are my fellow sourdough bakers that picked up a new hobby in, in COVID? Nobody? Nobody's out there? Okay, there's a few, you don't wanna admit it. Who are still making bread? Yeah, hey, Mark, well done. I, I persisted for a while, but you know, then it, it just kind of fell away to the side. I still want to do it, but I haven't done it for the last little while. But when we really, really, really want something, how do we make that happen? When I think of persistence, I think of my granddaughter, Windsor. I'm pretty sure that if you flipped through the dictionary for the definition of persistence, her name is written right there, right by the, the definition. Like she has this one track mind, like a steel trap that I have never seen before. She gets something in there, it, it, you cannot persuade her to change, you cannot convince her, distract her. I happened to mention in passing, something about the strawberries that we had growing in our backyard last year. For the next three days, three days family, every time I saw her, because this is what she would do in the summertime, she'd come upstairs, Lolly, let's go look, let's go look every day. Is there more strawberries ready? And she came upstairs and she's like, Lolly, let's go look. I'm like, Windsor, those plants are dead. There is no fruit on that vine. But she was persistent. She was convinced that it, because she wanted it, she was gonna see it. And so what does Lolly do? She goes to the store and buys strawberries because she wants to make it happen. But you know, sometimes when it comes to prayer, we forget to be persistent. Or maybe we don't even understand what it means to actually be persistent. Because I'm sure that I am not the only one in the room that has had prayers that I have prayed, faith that I have believed things for, 
but the answer has either been delayed, not come yet, or look different than what I thought it was gonna look like. And we're, when we're in those situations, it can be discouraging, it can be disheartening, and you know what? Eventually your fervent, passionate prayer of God, you are more than able, becomes God, I believe that you're gonna do something. God, I hope that you're gonna do something. And maybe it's just me, but eventually I can get to the point where I'm praying less and less about something that I fully believe God was gonna do until possibly I'm so discouraged I'm not even praying it anymore. Maybe you have been praying for a relationship that's going through an extended rough patch and you really believe that you heard from God that he was gonna bring breakthrough, but you haven't seen it yet. What do you do? Maybe you have children or family members that are not yet walking with the Lord or have walked away from the Lord and you believe and you know that God said your household would be saved. So how do you deal with that? How do you navigate that? See, things don't seem to change. We get discouraged and we stop. And you know, discourage, it actually just means to lose courage. It's hard to persist when you're discouraged and you've lost heart. You know, we just had our first week of prayer and fasting, and I don't know about you, but even last Sunday before we started, Pastor Daniel and I both had just the same sense, and we're talking to Craig, there's just such an expectation that we're feeling right now. I don't know about you, even in worship today, just the sense of the holiness of God and his presence was so powerful, and I have an expectation in my heart and in my spirit that God is at work, and we are on the cusp of seeing him move in a powerful way. Come on. But sometimes we can feel like our faith maybe is a little bit like a roller coaster, and especially our prayer life. There's the highs of, we just had a great Sunday. God, you are more than able. I'm declaring it, I'm believing it, I'm trusting it, I know it's true. And we go home, and by Wednesday, we're like, pretty sure the pastor said something about you being able, God, but you know what, I've been praying for two days and this fasting is hard and I have not seen my answer. And I'm, I'm being a little bit exaggerated, but you can see the ups and downs through life. I know for me, um, my faith really became real. My mom was, uh, gave her life back to the Lord when she, when she had kids. My dad was not a believer. I was around 11 or 12. I'd given my life to Jesus when I was about three or four, but when my faith became real and became mine, I was about 11 or 12. And in that moment when I, in the experience of just coming to know God in a new way, I knew that God had said, Shanda, pray and believe because your dad is gonna give his life to me. And I had all the fervor, all the passion, and all the faith for him to do that. But can I tell you that over the next 30 years, there was many ups and downs. There were many moments where I was like, um, I'd forget if I'm honest, and then I'd get convicted because I forgot to pray for my dad, and then I'd have faith again, and then I'd pray less and less, and then I'd get convicted, and then I'd pray again, and sometimes it felt like this incredible roller coaster, but you know what? Not long before he passed, and a miracle is a completely different story, a long story, but through not how I saw it happening, but just before he passed, I believe he gave his life to the Lord. And that prayer that I had been praying for over 30 years, I got to see with my own eyes. And I know there's others in the room here this morning who also have, I know there's uh, one family here and she was praying for her spouse for longer than 30 years. 
but he also gave his life to the Lord. So when we're discouraged and we withdraw, where did that faith go? Where did that Sunday morning faith go? And how do we not lose it and continue to persist in prayer? You know what, guys? You're not, we're not the only ones. The disciples also obviously had some problems learning how to persist in prayer. We're gonna actually look at Luke chapter 11 this morning. But in Luke, in Luke 18 and Luke 11, we see a story where the disciples come to Jesus and they, they had seen him praying and obviously they recognized that he had something and was doing something in his prayer that they were not. I don't know if it was the faith they saw. We don't know what, if it was the words he spoke, but he gives us the example of the Lord's prayer because he says, this is how you pray. And then he goes on to tell a story, which Jesus often does. So in Luke 15, verses five to 10, he said, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight and wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, you said to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom door, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and he will give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. First of all, I know for many of us, we have a hard time picturing this because in our day and age, even in the middle of the day, people don't really just drop in anymore. Can you actually think of the last time someone just dropped in, knocked on your door, said, hey, just thought I'd pop in and see what you're doing, see if you got some lunch on, but especially not at midnight. And if it was us, like we would have found a hotel, there would have been a 24 hour convenience store or Uber Eats or something and we could have taken care of our own needs. But back here where Jesus is talking about the example that he's giving, you know, the poor, the typical Israelite family lived in a one room house. And if they were really poor, their animals were brought in with them at night as well. So they all slept, would sleep on a platform about 18 inches up off the floor. Can you imagine parents? Getting everybody to sleep, what a task that would be. You got the chickens and you got the goats and you got the animals and maybe they're settling down and then your two-year-old decides to wake up in the middle of the night. It seemed to me that in our house, like even if I barely creaked the floor to go into my kid's room once they were asleep, like just like that, all of a sudden they were wide awake. Can you imagine someone comes knocking on your door, the chickens are waking up and you're trying to stumble through the dark? Like it would have been absolute chaos. This dad was trying to keep like, dude, you don't know, I just got my family to sleep. But he was so persistent. It actually says that he was shameless. Are we willing to be shamelessly persistent? I don't know if I am, to be honest, all the time. If persistence meant that people are gonna look at me like, would you just be quiet and go away? 
if I was willing to be shameless in my pursuit of what God had promised, would I be willing to do it? See, then Jesus gets to the meat of the application in verse nine. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. Keep on seeking. And it says in verse 11, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if you ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? See, this is the present progressive tense. It, says, it doesn't just say ask and then turn away and then do whatever or seek and maybe seek for a certain amount of time and then that's it. It's keep, it's ask and then keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. It's keep on doing it until you see the answer that you're believing for. So we couple that, that command to ask, seek, and knock, and to keep on doing that with the word of God where it says that God is so much more, does he know us and love us and gives good gift to us that we can trust that if we keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking, that he will hear and he will answer. Like I said, we're good as a culture at starting things. Whether it's a chore, a puzzle, our prayer time, or even a relationship. But often finishing, that's another story. That's where it's hard. How many here have started, who have started a book and have never finished it? I got more than a few of those. How many have started a puzzle and never finished it? How many started a diet at the beginning of January and you've already thrown that one out the window because you know it's not happening? You don't have to put your hand up for that one. How many have started house renovations and never quite finished? Many of you have heard our story, like we've put up the paint, we've hung new curtains, we've put new lights in, but the baseboard, which was considered like, I don't know a style now, I don't think baseboard goes up all the time anymore. But when we were doing our rentals, like the baseboard was the finishing touch. We would never get the baseboard up until we were ready to sell the house. Like we, we got the rental done, we got the, you know, we got 95% of it done. It was just that last little 5% that we didn't get done. And you know, unless we get things right away instantly, we often have a hard time engaging for the long haul. We live in an immediate and instant time. Instant messaging, instant chatting, instant food, instant online shopping. So when our prayers aren't, aren't answered instantly, it often throws us for a loop. But 2,000 years, Jesus' words are still applicable today. And obviously, we are not the only ones that have this problem because Jesus is saying to his disciples, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And you know, those moments where God has been so real, you might have even felt that this morning in the midst of worship, those moments where you believed that real change was happening, that that breakthrough had happened in that moment, it's real. It's true. However, our breakthrough moments don't always lead immediately to seeing the answer to that prayer. Because you see, Jesus said, keep asking, keep seeking. Persistent prayer unlocks what has been locked up. Persistent prayer finds what has been lost. 
Persistent prayer releases what you've been asking for. Persistent prayer turns those moments, like that Sunday morning moment in worship, into momentum that actually makes a difference and helps carry your faith from Sunday to Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday. Persistent prayer turns moments into momentum. So why do we persist? It's pretty hard to persist in prayer if you don't even know why it's a good thing to do it. So let's start with number one. We persist in prayer because of relationship. God is a good father and he delights giving good gifts to his children. But God is not an ATM or a grandparent. He's not just sitting around happy to say, here you go, here's your answer to prayer, Kelsey. See me, you know, no, come see me again when you need something else. That's not how God works. And I think sometimes we actually forget that. We think, well, okay, I'm really in a bind, and so God, I need to see you move. And then we don't talk to him again for another three years. He's actually all about relationship. He desires community and prayer is communion and building community with God. Prayer is the vessel that we use to develop our relationship with God. His presence changes us. We might go into prayer and be persistently praying, but it's when we're in his presence and communicating with him that he helps to direct and to shape and to guide those prayers so that we know we are praying and persisting for the right things. His presence feeds us. He gives us answers before we even know what the questions are sometimes. And you know what? The relationship aspect also keeps us from striving. Because if there was a simple formula, if I pray this for this long, then I will get this answer. If it was a simple formula like that, then it would often be about our, our abilities and our strength. If I pray three times for three days, I will get the answer that I'm looking for. That's not how God works. It's about relationship and knowing what he wants and what he wants us to be praying and believing for. He's working when we're not. He's moving what we cannot, and when we persist in prayer, it moves the hand of God in situations. So why do we persist? Number two, because of partnership. You may not like this verse, but this is how God has chosen to work. Second Chronicles 7:14. God does not need us, let's be honest. He created the heavens and the earth. He created everything, he created you and I. He doesn't need us, but God, for whatever reason, has chosen to work with and through his people. And Second Chronicles says, if, this is our part, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then, everybody say then, then, this is his part, God hears from heaven and he heals our land. If, then, my part, his part. When we pray, things happen in the heavenly realm and then we will begin to see them in the earthly realm. There are things that will not happen. Family, can you believe this? There are things that will not happen unless you pray. I remember the first time I heard this and I heard a message on this, it actually rocked me and continues to rock me to this day. That there are breakthroughs, maybe for me, for others around me, there are situations that will only change through prayer. And if God is counting on me being the one to pray persistently for that answer, whew, 
that could be a really heavy weight. But I remember feeling that as a young adult thinking, Lord, you're choosing to work with me, so I better make sure that my ears are open, that I'm hearing how you're leading and what your word is telling me, and I better know your will in the things you've asked me to pray for because, God, I don't want a single thing to be missed. I don't want there to be a single area where you wanted to partner with me that you knew that I could have the faith and the persistence to believe to see a breakthrough in someone's life, and it didn't happen because I got discouraged. Our prayer is vital and it moves things. Number three, we persist because of obedience. First Thessalonians 5.17 talks about pray without ceasing. And this is where we are instructed about obedience. You know, I believe sometimes God wants to see if we are actually believing that he's able to do what he said and he's waiting to see our obedience in it. God knows what to give us and he knows when to give it to us. And until you know that answer, we keep asking, seeking and knocking until that answer is released. God wants us to persist in prayer in order to strengthen our faith. Faith would never grow if all of our prayers were answered immediately. I'm sorry to give you that, no that notification today. I would love to tell you that you could stand in front of your mirror on Monday morning and look at yourself in the mirror and just decide, I need to get some more muscle tone. I need to lose some weight. And I wish I could tell you that it would be as easy as standing in front of your mirror every day and just making that declaration and that you would see it happen. It doesn't always work that way. You have to go to the gym. You gotta do the hard things. Sometimes you actually have to rip and tear those muscles as you work out and as you put, put a demand on them to actually see things begin to change. I would like to tell you, in my 50 plus years that are getting even 50 plus more because I got a birthday coming up. But anyways, I would like to tell you, in my 50 plus years, that it was the seasons of life that were easy that were the times that I learned the most. If you're here this morning and that's your reality, I would love to meet you because that's not been my experience. It has often, almost always, been the seasons that have been the hardest challenge, that have been the driest and the darkest, that it's been in those seasons, and often, not when I'm in the middle of them, but it's often been as I persisted and I was obedient. Okay, God, I know it feels like all hell is breaking loose right now, but all I know is what you told me last. And what you told me last was to believe and persist and to lean into this. So that's what I'm doing. And it's been in those moments that after I've come through and I look back, I'm like, I did not see my faith was getting developed. I did not see that my spiritual muscles were getting developed. I did not see that I was learning how to cry out to God, to know that he heard me, and to then persist until I saw things change. We wish it would be easy, that it would be instant, but I'm sorry, my friends, it is not always. So until his answer is re revealed, we keep asking, we keep seeking, we keep knocking. As I was preparing, I thought, maybe you're here this morning and it's been so long since there was something that you believed in and were persisting in, you've actually forgotten what it was. And God wants to remind you this morning, 
not in condemnation of why did you forget to pray for that or why aren't you believing for that any longer? And I felt like God was, was saying this morning that for some of us here, God's gonna begin to remind you of some of those things that you once believed for, that you once prayed for, because he wants you to grab a hold of it and begin to persist in prayer again. Like I said, it was 30 years of praying for my dad, praying, not praying, kind of praying, somewhat praying, 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 praying. But it was 30 years of persisting before I saw the answer to that. But you know, it's hard to persist in prayer if you don't know what God is saying. Knowing who God is and what he is saying specifically for you is so key in being able to persist. Because if you're not confident in his will and who he is, you will have a hard time being persistent in your prayers. You know, there's so many examples in scripture that are there to encourage us, to encourage our faith. If God did it for Joseph, he can do it for me. If God did it for Mary, he can do it for me. If God did it for Moses, he can do it for me. If God did it for Paul, he can do it for me. There's so many stories to build our faith, but we have to be careful that we're not trying to apply the specifics or the working out of those faith-filled moments in our own way and in our own strength. Yeah, persistent colds, my husband has decided to pass his to me. So excuse me for a moment. Sarah and Hannah were both in the Bible, in the Old Testament. They were both praying and believing for a baby. But if they got caught up on the fact that God, like if Hannah got caught up on the fact that Sarah got a baby at 90, maybe her prayer life would have looked different. Maybe her persistence would have looked different. Because for Hannah, she didn't have to wait that long for her answer to prayer. They both knew that God had spoken to them, that God had said, this is something we want you to, I want you to pray and believe for. But if they got caught up in the how it was going to happen, they may not have persisted through until they got their answer. See, we need to know his will as we persist in prayer. Because honestly, some doors are shut that actually need to stay shut. Some doors are currently closed but they need to be opened. And how do we tell the difference? How do we know? You might have been persisting in prayer at a door for decades, but God doesn't wanna open that door for you because the open door is actually right over here. And if you turn your eyes and look, you would see that the answer is there, but you haven't been able to see it or walk into it because you are persisting at this door. So how do we tell the difference? What's the key? Part of this is knowing, what did Jesus say? Did he say that he would provide for you when you were asking, generally speaking? Or did he say he was gonna provide in a specific way? Because there's a big difference. You can be persistent in prayer knowing that God said he's gonna provide a job for you. But if you're praying for a job at McDonald's, I don't know, Maybe God doesn't have a job for you at McDonald's. Maybe he has a job over here for you. He said he was gonna provide, but maybe I got so caught up in persisting in prayer for that job at McDonald's, which I'm sure they would hire any of us at any moment. It seems like they always need help. I don't think it's a hard thing to get a job at McDonald's. But I'm just saying, sometimes we, we heard that God said, persist until you get a job. But we can get caught up in the application sometimes of thinking that we know how it's gonna figure, how that's gonna walk out. 
Because you see, we need to ensure that we have heard God and that we are not praying our desires, but we're praying his will. In Acts 16, verse six, Paul, there's a story of him going, he's going before the Lord. He wants to do good things. He wants to do what God's called him and asked him to do. And he says, I feel like God's calling me to go here. I feel like God's calling me to go here. And every time he makes a declaration, I'm supposed to go here, the spirit stops him and it won't let him go. So you could say Paul is trying to walk through these doors. He's trying to push through these doors and the Holy Spirit is saying, nope, 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 nope. I can imagine that was incredibly frustrating. And then one night, one night, Paul has a dream. And in that dream, in that moment, God speaks and shifts Paul's eyes in a direction he was never considering going. And that was when the door opened and the Holy Spirit said, yes, this is where you're supposed to go. Then, so that's an example of the door just doesn't seem to be opening, doesn't seem to be opening. And those doors needed to stay shut because who knows? Who knows what would have happened if Paul had persisted and gone to the places where the Holy Spirit wasn't leading him? And what about the people where God did send him? If he hadn't have gone to Macedonia, there's a whole part of history that, of a nation that would not have been changed because Paul was not obedient to know the specifics of what God was saying. Then we see Joshua at Jericho. The gates were literally shut and barred. They were impenetrable without the hand of God. But Joshua had gone and spent time with Jesus and he had been given a specific strategy for him and for the children of Israel. Marching around the wall one time a day, once a day for six days. Then the seventh day, we all know the story. They went around seven times, they shouted and they got the victory. I'm sure Joshua would have been more than happy to just have it all fall in one go. Talk about shameless persistence. I'm sure they did not love walking around the walls as the, the people of Jericho stood. I, 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 my mind immediately goes back to VeggieTales, sorry, because my kids watch this one a lot. You know, the people of Jericho throwing grape slushies down on the children, mocking them, calling them names. Like, who, do you, who is your God? What do you think he's doing? Like, it would have been a very humbling experience, but they knew that they had the message from God. And so they persisted in going and moving and asking and seeking and knocking because they knew what God had spoken to them and they saw the victory on day seven. So we obey the word of God, that word that God gave you, stay and persist and keep on going. Family, if you hear nothing else today, if you forget everything else I said, can you please hear this? Please don't give up. Please keep on going. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. You may have heard of George Mueller. He was an incredible man of faith in the early 1800s. He was one of the first people who actually began to care for orphans. And over his lifetime, he cared for tens of thousands of orphans. And one of the things very early on in his faith was he believed that God had spoken to him. He had five specific friends that he, was, that he felt God said, pray persistently for these five friends because I want to see them come into the kingdom of God. So he began to pray. And after many, many months, one of them came to the Lord. How many of us would have stopped at that point? Hmm, maybe I misheard you, Jesus. Maybe it's just the one but he kept on praying. 
10 years later, two more gave their lives to Jesus. He persisted, he kept going. It took 25 years before the fourth man was saved. And you know what, friend number five? George Mueller did not get to see it this side of heaven, but that friend gave his life to Jesus after his funeral. So he persisted for more than 50 years for those five friends. And the one answer he didn't even get to see with his own eyes. So what do we do when we feel we have a word from the Lord? You've, you've heard from Jesus. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is how, what I want you to do. We're gonna look at a story in 1 Kings chapter 18. Because you might feel, even from this morning, from our time in worship and our time in prayer that Pastor Craig was leading, God, you are more than able. And that, that particular situation that you were believing for, that you were declaring with all faith, you believe and you feel in your spirit that God actually heard you this morning and something shifted and changed. So now what do you do until you see the reality of that? First Kings chapter 18. This is the story of Elijah going up against the prophets of Baal. There hasn't been rain for three and a half years. And so they build these, these uh, Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, you build your altar, I'll build mine. We'll call out to our gods and we'll see who moves. Family, I was just having this conversation with one of my daughters this week. Elijah was spicy. He was saying to those prophets of Baal because there was no answer, like, oh, maybe cry a little bit louder. Maybe your God is sleeping. Oh, oh, maybe he's busy. Maybe you should shout a little bit louder like he was egging them on. But we see an incredible miracle. God burns down fire. He doesn't just burn up the altar. He burns up the stones or the sacrifice. He burns the altar, everything on it and the whole thing itself. So Elijah knew in that moment that God had answered, but it didn't start raining right away. Have you ever noticed that? So what was the point of the big show if God wasn't gonna answer the prayer? See, Elijah knew in that moment God had answered, and then now he began to persist. And this is how he persisted. And I believe that this is a key for many of us this morning, that maybe you've been persisting in prayer for something. And I wanna encourage you that maybe just by changing things just a little bit, you might begin to see the change that you've been believing for. Because you see, it says in God's word that he began to declare things as if they had already happened, even before they had. See, there's power when we begin to declare the breakthrough that we haven't yet seen with our natural eyes. Because family, we need to see more sicknesses and diseases, the power of those broken, not just occasionally. I don't wanna just occasionally hear miracles of God at work in people's lives. Family, I wanna hear it every day. I wanna hear it every time I bump shoulders with somebody. You know what? The doctor said I had this, my friend prayed for me or I prayed for myself and all of a sudden I'm completely healed. The doctors were looking for a tumor and they did a scan and they couldn't find anything. I wanna hear those kind of stories. Family, we've heard those stories. There are so many people even in this room who are living in extended seasons because they came and they persisted in prayer and God touched them and healed them in a moment. I, and it's, we don't know why sometimes we see that, sometimes we don't, sometimes it takes different, different ways to see healing but family if we persisted and asked maybe we would see more because persistent prayer turns into momentum see when Elijah had the victory 
Then he begins to pray and he prays this. He prays, I hear the rain. There was nothing, but he began to declare what wasn't as if it already was. I hear the rain. I hear the rain, it's coming. I hear the rain. And he not only declared it and, and believed it and persisted in prayer for it, but he took the step of faith of, he began to send out a servant. Go, go, go look, go, go look. Go look and tell me, tell me, because I hear the rain. Can you see it? Is it coming yet? One time, two time. We don't know how many times he ran back and forth. And then finally, finally, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And the servant came running back and said, let's go because rain is coming. Elijah, what you've been declaring and speaking and praying and we've had breakthrough for, it is coming, so let's get moving. I cannot tell you, family, how many times I have heard stories and talked to individuals who shifted and instead of praying, God, and if this is where you're at, that's okay. You can begin to grow in it today. God, I pray and believe that you want my marriage to be restored. Or even, God, I don't know if it's your will, but would you do something? When people began to shift how they prayed and began to pray like Elijah, God, I thank you that you are restoring my marriage. God, I thank you that my husband and I are able to communicate better than we have ever communicated before. God, I thank you that you have a job that you have laid out for me. Lord, I thank you that I am about to walk into, into a job that is gonna provide for my needs. And you begin to pray and declare what you don't yet see as if it's already happened. But you've, is you've got to know that God has spoken to you. I have a friend of mine, it was several years ago. Um, she, was, she lived somewhere else. She'd been married for about five years. She came over and she was visiting one Sunday and she pulled me aside. She said, Shanda, she said, you might not know, but my husband's left me. And I think this was about, I don't know, six months, eight months in. And she said, I am so confused. I don't know what to do. I have people that I trust and family that, and and people in our church that are telling me, look, he's moved on. He's stepped out of the marriage. You should just divorce him and you should just move on. And so we had a conversation and I said, I said, you know what, sweetheart, you need to know what God said. Because I, I'm of that same, like I believe for marriages, I believe for restoration. It doesn't matter what's happened or gone on. I know that God is a God who heals and I know he's done it before and I know he can do it again. So I will persist in prayer for marriages, sometimes longer even than the individuals have. But I said to her, if you want to be able to have that persistent prayer, you need to know what God is saying to you. You don't listen to me, don't listen to your friends. You need to go before the Lord and say, God, what are you planning? What are, is your purpose for my marriage? Three years later, their marriage was restored. But it got worse before it got better. He moved in with somebody. He was asking her for a divorce every week. Would you come on? Would you give me a divorce? She just continued to pray. She continued to persist. She continued to believe because she believed God had spoken to her very clearly and given her a plan that God was gonna restore her marriage. And I know that's not how it happens for everybody and I don't want you to feel guilt or condemnation if that's not been your story. But I want it to encourage us this morning that if we begin to hear from the Lord and persist in prayer, perhaps, perhaps we will begin to see more miracles. 
if we persist in our prayers, if we don't get discouraged when we don't see the answer right away, perhaps we will see more marriages restored. Perhaps, as Pastor Craig was talking earlier, we will see our nation change. Perhaps we will see righteousness be the standard that is raised in our city and our province and our nation. Perhaps God is more than able than we ever could have dreamed or hoped or imagined. So as we close, I just want to go just a couple quick things. Practical steps. Abide, John talks about abiding with Jesus. We need to get to know Jesus. We need to spend time with him. We need to get his strategy, get his word, get his will, and then begin to walk it out. And family, if you're here this morning and you don't even know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then that's your first step. And it's as easy as A, B, C. Acknowledge that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he was crucified, resurrected, and came back to life so that our lives could be different, so that we could live a life of freedom. And then confess that you're a sinner. If you pray that prayer, if that's you this morning, can I encourage you, tell whoever you came with that you wanna have a relationship with Jesus. You want to know that Jesus who does miracles better, the God who is more than able. Number two, for some of us this morning, we need to let go of that guilt and that shame. Maybe the prayer wasn't answered, hasn't been answered yet, and so you stop praying, or maybe the answer didn't come how you thought it would, but we need to let go of that. If I had a God stuck on, I was gonna be the one to lead my dad to the Lord. It never would have happened. And I had to let go a lot of guilt and shame over those 30 years of, oh, if you were a better daughter, if you were praying harder, if you actually talked to him more about Jesus, if you actually laid it out for him and just prayed and, and interceded and fasted for him, he would have got saved. And I had to let go of that guilt and that shame. And once again, pick up the promise that I knew God wanted to bring salvation to my dad and just begin to pray. So maybe for you today, you need to let that go and you need to just begin to start fresh today. And then once you're confident of his will, then just get started. If you didn't participate in fasting and prayer last week, guess what? We have week two this week. You can participate, you can start now, you can start today. We've got more devotionals at the back, we printed some more off. You can grab one of the devotionals, you can join us for, for prayer on Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday morning. You can come next Sunday, join us in the prayer room. Just get started. And if you don't know what his will is or how you are supposed to be persisting, can I encourage maybe you never have, or maybe it's been a long time, but maybe you need to take our next Hearing God class that's coming soon and begin to understand that God is alive and he still speaks today and he can still give you direction for your today so that you can know how to persist in prayer. Family, if you can stand with me, I wanna pray for you as we close. Because I really do believe the words of that song that we sang this morning. He is more than able. Can you imagine with the faith in the room what our God could do? 
When did I stop believing for miracles? God, you are more than able. Family, let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for our Horizon Church family, and I thank you for those that are joining us online this morning. Father, I pray that even right now, there would be a clarity that would come to people's hearts and minds right now. Father, those that have been praying and believing and they've been persisting so long that they've actually given up, Lord, that you would bring into focus and into alignment a clarity, Lord, that you are still God, you still move today. Father, that all discouragement, all apathy, all fear, all doubt, all anxiety would be gone and would be silenced right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that every individual that can hear my voice, that their mind is their own, a safe place where they will hear from you and from you alone. And Lord, as you begin to work on their heart and open their ears that they would hear clearly, Father, your leading and your guiding. Lord, even as they participate over the next seven days in prayer and fasting, Lord, that they would hear you more clearly than they ever have before. Lord, the breakthrough that they are seeking, the freedom that they are asking for, the restoration that they are believing for, God, that they would begin to see it move right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that discouragement would go, that hope would come, that hope would fill hearts and spirits right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that that refrain that we sang, that God, you are more than able, would echo in the mind, in our minds, in our hearts as we go about this week. When the enemy would come to discourage and say, God doesn't hear you, he doesn't know you, he can't do anything. Lord, that in our heart and in our mind, we would begin to speak and declare what isn't as if it already were. God, you are more than able and because of that Lord I thank you that my son is returning to you Lord I thank you that the job that I have believing for I'm about to step into it Lord I thank you that your provision is more than enough so I will persist until I see it and we begin to declare over each and every individual in this room that whatever is needed in their heart and in their life Lord that even this week they would see things begin to break and shift and move in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I really believe, you can go ahead and take your seats as Pastor Daniel comes. I really believe that we are in a season where we are about to see the breakthrough in many different areas, corporately as a church, in, as families, as individuals. So join with us this week and continue to persist in prayer.